0: Fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. Remember Gian Gameshi? We haven't heard from him since he was acquitted in March 2016 of four counts of sexual assault and one count of choking involving three complainants. In May of that year, he apologized to a fourth complainant and signed a peace bond that saw another count of sexual assault withdrawn. But he went from being a very popular, high-profile media personality to being an outcast. Well... On Friday, he wrote a personal essay in the very prestigious New York Review of Books entitled Reflections from a Hashtag. He reveals that he's had suicidal thoughts and admits that he was, quote, demanding and insensitive with women. He even shared a quip attributed to a female friend saying, quote, I should get some public recognition as a Me Too pioneer. There are lots of guys more hated than me now, but I was the guy... Everyone hated first. Needless to say, the backlash was swift. I'll give out the numbers to call 416 360 0740. Toll free 1 866 740 4740. Right now, let's go to Ann Kingston. She is a senior writer and columnist with Maclean's, and she wrote a great piece about this. Hi, Ann. Hi, Libby. So, what did you make of yeah. Gian Gabeshi's essay?
2: Well, I, you know, read it with great curiosity. I found it interesting that it was published, as you mentioned, in the prestigious New York Review of Books. They don't generally publish um, personal essays to begin with. And Gomeshi is not known sort of as a, as a writer or an intellectual thinker. So him landing there was interesting in itself. Reading it, I was confounded by a lot of things. I was interested, obviously, you know, Gomeshi was the center of a sexual assault, the biggest sexual assault trial probably in this country, at least in terms of publicity. I sat in the courtroom every day, and I wanted to know what he thought about, you know, everything that had happened. And reading it, I just was... Absolutely perplexed and amazed by the lack of contrition, the failure to fully, you know, acknowledge like the, the, the pieces filled with misrepresentation um, of of history, and also just a, a, a lack of self self awareness in terms of you know being culturally tone deaf to the larger movement that um, you know is involved with sexual assault and now the Me Too movement.
1: You referred to uh, his essay as brooding, self-referential, brimming with self-pity, and absent any self-awareness. Mm-hmm.
2: That's that's sort of my uh, the capsule summary at the at the top. I think, uh, you know, to illustrate that point, though, you mentioned that uh, the comment about him kind of boasting perversely that he was a Me Too pioneer, which is what struck me as preposterous. And also, again, kind of <laughs> totally not getting it, because the pioneers of Me Too were, the, were not the guys who abused. They were the women who came forward quite bravely against powerful men um, to talk about that abuse and but, the abuse of power. Especially
1: uh, in the United States, which loves... Comebacks, but isn 't it a thing? I mean, you know there are uh, some men who have been banished with incredibly good reasons, and others, I think, wrong place, wrong time, probably, where uh, maybe what happened to them was not so well deserved, but isn 't this something that we are curious to hear about what 's it like to go from a total? Media and social
2: darling uh, to an outcast. Yes, I, I think a yeah, absolutely. That is is something that people want to know about, and I think that with as you mentioned, sort of the the Me Too movement is in its you know early early stages. If it if it continues with the sort of um, velocity that it's been traveling with, and. There's another question, and that is one of redemption. You know, what does that look like within this? Because it's not a case of allowing, you know, in some cases, it's pretty cut and dried about punishment and that sort of thing. But, but how does one atone? How does one, you know, talk about, I'm talking about the, the men who have been accused of, of being perpetrated, reported to be, um, perpetrators. How do, how do they sort of, um, come back into this conversation because we can't banish everyone. Um, some people deserve to be banished, but, but in other cases there, there has to be a conversa- a larger conversation about redemption.
1: Well, exactly,
2: and, and there was a
1: point uh, in the beginning, kind of that kind of revolutionary point where uh, an accusation was enough to ruin somebody, and there were some people who were ruined by them.
2: Well, yeah, and I think, I mean, the thing is that we've seen, you know, such a in the States, particularly, Al Franken is a good example of that. Um, but and, and we're still grappling with this idea of the Court of public opinion and the court of law and the disconnect and the connections between the two and I think the Gomeshi case is a really interesting example of that because you know a, a more than twenty women came forward with very similar stories of violent attacks during sort of the dating situation so you know, Gomeshi, and these are all women that Gomeshi dated. He, they were friends of a sort, and he doesn't address that in the essay. It's you know, even one would expect if he is saying that you know the the charges were overblown, which he is he is saying that he doesn't he, that some of the charges were ina- inaccurate is the word he uses. He doesn't say which ones, but wasn't he confounded that twenty women he went out with would all have the same story? Even there's no sense on his part of... I just wanted to hear more. You know, if if people are out to get him, if he's a victim, as he seemed to claim, you know, talk about that. Why would he be a victim here? You know, there's just... It was just a hollow kind of um, shallow uh, attempt to bring himself back into the public conversation.
1: Now, I'm, I'm recalling, you know, it was a pretty controversial issue here on this show back in the day, and a lot of people were supportive of Gomeshi, and, and uh, part of the reason was, you know, the women, especially the women who were involved in the trial, well, they continued to see him and email him and, and have
2: contact with him after the alleged abuse. Okay, that's an interesting point. If, uh, in, these in the summary, in the the um, including comments, you know, in the court, Marie Henin, Gomeshi's lawyer, very very an excellent defense lawyer, made the point that it is very common. There are a couple of things that are known about sexual assault. One is that women or men who have been assaulted often connecting and contact their, you know, the person, the perpetrator. And often because the person is known to them, they're friends or they're a member of the family, whatever. That, and Hennen very clearly said in court that that is not, that is known to be a norm. Um, and also, you know, the idea of memory and whatnot is also forgetting details. So I think they, the idea that they contacted Gomeshi uh, is absolutely consistent with patterns of sexual assault. The problem, of course, for them testifying in court is that often they hadn't, you know, they were contradicting themselves. They had withheld information that they had seen Gomeshi again, all of those things. And that came back to make them, you know, witnesses or or complainants who lacked credibility. So there was no way the judge could come to any other ruling than, than an acquittal.
1: Okay. And please hold on. I'm going to give the numbers again. 416-360-0740. Toll free. one 866 740 We are talking about Gian Gomeshi and this essay that he published in the New York Review of Books that got a huge backlash. Uh, he didn't seem uh, very contrite. He said he had suicidal thoughts. What do you think about that? We're taking a very quick break, and we'll be back with more with Ann Kingston, senior writer and columnist for Maclean's.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zuma Radio.
1: Welcome back. We are talking about Gian Gomeshi and uh, his I don't know if you would call it a comeback. He got an essay published in the very prestigious New York Review of Books which led to oh boy, a backlash. And we are talking to Ann Kingston. Is this the first part of a comeback for him?
2: It's hard Say uh, what? What this is exactly? Um, certainly, he tried to launch a podcast last year, um, which was sort of a, a podcast about big ideas, immigration, um, peace, government. It was, it was kind of a thinky podcast, and it too. I mean, it's there's a, a, a fact here that Gomeshi has, has incited such anger, and there's there is so much residual, uh, you know, emotion around Gomeshi that everything he does is is freighted. Uh, and the podcast, I think it's still up. I checked on the on the website. It's, he's still producing it, but it was, you know, the distributor distanced themselves and so forth. I wondered whether perhaps he was planning to write another book. He's written one sort of memoir-y book, and whether this was sort of a kind of a for Salvo in that direction. It's hard to say, but eventually, he's, you know, in his early 50s, what is he going to do with the rest of his life? So perhaps, you know, this was testing the waters in that regard. Uh, Okay, let's take a call from Stephen in
1: Parkdale. Hi, Stephen.
2: Hi, Libby. Uh, I just say, let the man go away. Why is the New York Times, anybody, your show, anybody giving him any attention?
1: Well, he wrote this thing, and yeah. he got some attention. He's good at that.
2: <laughs> I'm saying, he, you know, I can write something too. Uh, I'm not going to get the attention. I wasn't Gianni Uh, uh That's he, true. You he probably won't. His job he fell, and he um, blew it.
1: So you think? Uh, uh, let sleeping dogs lie. Yes. Okay, Stephen. Thanks for that. Okay. Okay, uh, and uh, is there any sympathy when you read that somebody had suicidal thoughts? I mean, and
2: you can see why. Of course, of course, one feels compassion um, for for someone who, you know, is is experiencing um, that kind of darkness. One, you know, that's that's just sort of a human instinct. I think, you know, it's it's tricky because I think. There's just not enough information to kind of make a larger statement. I mean, Gomeshi dangled a few things out. He also, you know, pointed to to ugly racism that he faced, which is absolutely true. I saw it outside court, the courtroom. But at the same time, he sort of talked about how his, you know, he was referred to as an Iranian-Canadian, which, which struck me as a bit disingenuous, because he was very proud of his heritage, and that's how he identified himself long before the trial. So there were things like... That that just made you. Oh, so
1: so he he was very proud of it. He he trumpeted his heritage, and then yes, and and then then afterwards said, "Why are they calling me an Iranian Canadian?"
2: Exactly, that was a complaint within the essay itself. So the the essay was riddled with so many inconsistencies, and as I said, you know, misleading information that that one's sympathy is um, kind of mitigated by all of those factors. I have to say.
1: Uh-huh. And do you think, I mean, it's hard to get into his head, do you think he was expecting
2: the kind of backlash that he got? <laughs> Not unless he's, you know, an incredible masochist. I don't think that you would, you would enter that arena. I wouldn't, you know, obviously he mentioned a publicist. So I, one assumes that he's getting some sort of instruction in this area. Um, but it's hard to anticipate how things are, these are, these things are going to go. But one thing that struck me was that they, he didn't have a good editor in the piece, or at least an editor who had googled his name and knew basic facts about the story. He wasn't helped. I mean, a job of an editor is to sort of protect you from yourself. And that wasn't happening in this, uh, in this piece at all.
1: So um, where does he, if you were predicting, where does he go from here?
2: I, that is a, an excellent question. I didn't ever expect to see him in the New York Review of Books. So in terms of his next move, nothing would actually surprise me. I think that he'll, he'll, we'll not hear from Gian Gomeshi for a while. I could be wrong. That As I said, we could be looking at a, at a book or, or something else um, in which he's got a longer-term strategy about what he plans to do.
1: Okay, yeah, I would think um, that whole experience might be uh, interesting. But anyway, yeah, it was a surprise to see him in the New York Review of Books. And Anne Kingston, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks, Libby. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.